Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets. All you have to do is use promo code BSNBA. That even works for tickets for the Red Hot Boston Celtics. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. We're also brought to you by Grasshopper, the phone system for entrepreneurs, small business owners, or anyone with a side gig. Grasshopper lets you send and receive calls and texts from your new business phone number. Run your business. Respond to clients quickly with Grasshopper's mobile apps. Be professional, responsive, and efficient. Get your business phone number today. Go to grasshopper.com BS to get $20 off your first month. Don't forget about the other podcasts on the Ringer Podcast Network. We launched two last week, the JJ Reddick Podcast, and we relaunched Binge Mode, actually. That's going to be weekly now on Thursdays, joining uh, a bunch of other ones we launched this year, including Larry Wilmore Black on the Air, House of Carbs with Joe House, Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and One Shining Podcast with Tate Frazier and Mark Titus. Go check out ringer.com, theringer.com slash podcasts if you want to see all the podcasts we have. Don't forget about my column every Friday on theringer.com as well. Coming up, an interview we did with Brian Cranston. That was awesome. What a great guest. This is a really good one. Sit down, enjoy this one. First Pearl Jam. In the studio office. We've never done this. The studio you're office. Like, you're considered to be one of the Mount Rushmore guests. You just come in, you come in hot, you get stories. And I'm made out of stone. <laughs> That's exactly correct, yes. People love having you on. Thanks, My man. friend Jimmy Kimmel has had you on many times. Yeah, yeah. I used to coach Kevin Kimmel, his son, in baseball in Little League. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. What Little League? What Little League system? It was a, it was a park league here in the San Fernando Valley when, when he was... When Jimmy was all humbled and and not you know big before he became a Jimmy. big A list celebrity, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you're talking nineties? Yeah, that's right. In the nineties, mid nineties. I, I was looking at your uh, the breadth of your career, a breadth with a D, a breadth with a D, breadth with a D. <laughs> but he, it it stuff came late for you. Like yeah. I, I noticed, like probably like late thirties, early forties was when you really started. Working seriously, and I'm always yeah. fascinated by this topic. I had John Hamm on a few years ago, and we talked about it for a while, about these people that either they moved out here or they are out here to begin with, and they get into acting. They do a whole bunch of things, and there hits a point where you might get your break, you might not. And around like 35, 36, 37, you see people start to give up or stay with it. Mm -hmm. What made you stay with it? I love it. That, that's the thing I always tell young actors. I said, you know, I want to find out why are you doing this? Why do you want to do this? And if it's, if it's for any other reason other than you love the empowerment of acting and, and how it makes you feel as a yeah. person, then you shouldn't try as a professional. Right. Fine. Have, uh, use it as an avocation. You know, go to the, the local theater at night after work and, and express yourself. But if you're talking about trying to do this for a living, the only way you'll sustain the hardship of it, the toughness of it, is if you love it. It's like, it's like not giving up on a relationship. Yeah. No, you hit a rough patch in a marriage, work it out. Don't give up. Work it out. 
figure things out. Did you hit, what was like your darkest moment where you're like, I love this, I know I can do this, but I can't, I can't get through here. No, uh, frustration is always a part of any creative endeavor. Um, you know, a writer will sit looking at a blank page. Yeah. Uh, singers and will, will go through rough times with their voice or is changing or to write music or to sculpt. You're, you, you don't know how you need a muse. You need something that breaks through sometimes. With an actor, it's opportunity. Yeah. You need opportunity. Every actor is willing to, to fight to, to earn a, a job, but you need the opportunity. You need the chance to get into the room and show people what you can do. And without that opportunity, you don't have it. So I tell actors all the time, there are really four components to becoming a successful actor. You need talent. That's first and foremost. Yeah. And, you, and not in a boastful way, but you have to say, yeah, I'm talented. Secondly, you need persistence. And then you need patience. And then the fourth component is luck. Yeah. There is no, there is no career successful career that's been created without luck. I'm sure that you can look back and you go, well, what were the lucky breaks in my career? I had like seven. Yeah, exactly. It's not even just one. It's like several. You were prepared to take advantage of the luck, of the opportunity. And that's what you have to do. So keep working for an actor. Keep working on a monologue. Keep keeping that instrument, that muscle strong. And then when you get the break, you're ready. I always tell people always ask me about uh, writing. How do I get a break? I want to write for. I want to be on the radio. Like, what? What should I do? Give me some tips. And the tip is always just like work hard. Just keep working at what you're doing and try to get better at it. And especially like, it sounds really simple, but with writers, it's like I would always ask people like, who are some of your favorite writers? Like, who are you reading? And sometimes they wouldn't have an answer right away. They'd be like, "Oh man, you're sunk." It'd be like if I if you ask somebody who are some of your favorite actors, they'd be like, "I don't know." Like. Uh, De Niro like right. you have to have that answer if, if you want to act for a living there has to be like four or five people that you love and you idolize and you that's want to right. grab pieces from and pieces of their style that's and, right um, well and that's because you need to be a student of the business that yeah, you want to get in because you're like you're, you're when you're young you're like a sponge you're picking up yeah. things from all types of people you have the natural talent but also like you know you got to be a student of what you're trying to do. That's right. And I, I think a lot of people miss that. I always worry now that younger writers are just reading stuff online and on their Twitter feed. It's like, read some books too. It's yeah. good to read books if you want to write. I think we're training a whole generation to only be able to absorb 140 characters at a time. And then Which they have to scary. take a break or something. Yeah. You know, it's Which crazy. is a little scary. You, uh, what was your first lucky break? Um, my first lucky break was realizing what I wanted to do for a living. I was stuck on the Blue Ridge Parkway in Virginia during a, a severe rainstorm. I yeah. was on a motorcycle, and my brother. You was a motorcycle as well. guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, much to my wife's. Yeah, Jesus. You know, discouragement. Much to my, probably many producers' discouragement too. I would guess. Yeah. Although, interestingly enough, in the second year of Breaking Bad, AMC, our our network gave me as a present for being nominated a Vespa. And I thought, don't they know this is probably the worst thing they could have done? <laughs> Super dangerous. You yeah. Know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it was in 1977 
And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew, I thought I was going to be a cop. I went to college to be a cop. You After, thought you were going to be a cop? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. Um, Just because of the motorcycles? Like you no. saw Eric Estrada yeah, on chips right. and you got fired I was up. on chips, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I didn't have a, a father influence. Um, my dad left the family when I was 11 years old. Yeah. And so I was kind of trying to figure my own way through things. And in those days, they used to have, um, you know, career day. So kids who didn't really know what they wanted, you go to the your high school auditorium, and then they're the fire department, the members of the military, the right. police department, the the gas company. You know what? What are you going to do after high school? And at sixteen, my brother had joined this police explorer group, and they got to travel. And I thought, oh, I'm going to join that so I can travel. And I found out that I had uh, an aptitude for police work, which completely surprised me. Aptitude like being able to solve mysteries and or like in a way perceive un, human nature and things like in that. in a way ob, ob, observational skills not uh, being um suspect yeah listening not taking what you see as as gospel or what you hear at all and and figuring things out making sure that everything is a is a is a curious question to you and investigate until proven you know i mean i guess these things were were coming natural to me. I didn't know it. So I was going to be a police officer. And then the second year in college, I took an acting class and met girls. Oh, that was it. Eight. Yeah. Like eight to two was the ratio. Yeah. Girls to boys. And it was, and I, my first acting class, my, my responsibility in this scene was to make out with this pretty girl. Well, that's, and then, I'm 19. That spun my head around. Yeah. I thought, this is a thing. You, this is people wow i'm in and so i left because i didn't know what to do i didn't finish college because i wasn't going to be a police officer but i wasn't sure that i should just jump into acting so i need to go get lost so that i can find myself hopefully so we're traveling around my brother and i and raining cats and dogs on the blue ridge parkway normally be beautiful but foggy and rainy you can't see a thing Pulled onto a slab, a cement slab with four posts and a roof um, at, a, at a rest stop in the m middle of nowhere. And this is way before any GPS. We didn't know how far we were from the next town or anything. Right. And it's very dangerous. So we just stayed. Well, we'll wait until it clears up. Six days later, it finally stops raining. Oh, my God. And during that six days is when I had this epiphany. It's like, okay. I, I am attracted to this. I was reading plays one after another after another to spend my time. And I thought, okay, but if I'm going to do this, I, I better really get to know this and do it well. And it, this is not about girls. This is about finding something yeah. deeper. And that was it. And then you're on chips. And that was it. And then, and then, then boom. you and Estrada are going on head chips. to head. Yeah. I, I, Who were you on chips? I, I was something like Billy Joe, <laughs> and I was talking like this, almost like Gomer Pyle, and like, and uh, I was a newlywed, and and the the beautiful young woman that uh, played my wife in the show, she and Eric Estrada, they they were having they a thing. Oh, they were no. having a thing. Yeah, in in his trailer. Oh man, and it was like wow, this is uh, that's you know, my introduction to Hollywood. It's like oh wow, so that's really going on.
Estrada said to you, like, hey, kid, this is my set. Don't you forget <laughs> this. this. You stay off my corner. He was a bit cocky. He was a bit cocky. <laughs> he had uh, reason to be. He was a huge star he was in a 1981 huge star. or whatever. I, uh, you know, whenever I tell this, it's like, uh, I, Estrada was full of himself when he was a huge star on Chips, right? Yeah. Years later, maybe 15 years after Chips, I bumped into him, I think at a like a, a Screen Actors Guild meeting or something like that. And I just said hello, and I was on his show, and he he go, and he says to me, "Hey, was I a real jerk to you?" And I on go, "Chips, mm, yeah." And I go, "No, you were fine." He goes, "Oh, okay, good." Because I'm just I'm just apologizing to anybody I was a real jerk to. <laughs> I was a stupid kid, and I didn't appreciate what I had, and I'm sorry if I made a mess of things. This was the '70s and '80s were really dangerous times for celebrities because. Yeah. There were no checks and balances. Right. There were drugs everywhere. Nobody knew of what drugs were good and yeah. what drugs weren't good. And right. people egos were just ran amok. Yeah. There's so many Especially flame if you're out young. stories. If yeah. You're young. If you're they didn't know any better. They didn't and I think you learn from the mistakes of the generations before you. And who were they learning from? Nobody. And and you still won't learn them until you're a little older. And that gets yeah. back to the other thing. I, I didn't get Malcolm in the middle until I was like forty one years old. Which is great. Yeah, so I I knew I you know you better know by then what you don't want in your life anymore. Yeah, and what you do want. Wasn't this the, this is like a famous George Clooney theory about fame? The older you are when you become famous, the better you can handle it. Much better. And it's like if it's he was I think when he hit on ER, he was probably in his thirties at that point. Yeah, and he just had a better perspective. He had a much it. better perspective. And then yeah. you see, like I mean, I'm sure you saw with uh, Malcolm in the Middle, like if you're a child actor. Frankie, it's who tough. seems like he came out okay. He's had some issues, but yeah, see, seems like I don't know. He he, it could have been worse. Yeah, um, but to be that famous and have that much money when you're like 15, how do you process that? I don't know. How do you reconcile? How do you know that? who to trust? That's right, because you have these sycophants coming up and telling you how great you are, and here, can I get this for you? And right, and kids are being catered to as if they're, you know, royalty. And how does that not affect the immature mind? You're 15. You can get any girl you want. You can have any friend you want. You can buy anything you want. And yeah. you, and you've already achieved something. So yeah. you have nothing to dream for. I don't. I don't know. Go ahead. There's a reason it's gone bad a lot of times. I think with, it's it, a lot depends on the parents. Are yeah. the parents? I would say all of it depends on the parents. By and large. But then again, like if you're a parent, is it? I'm not positive. I don't think I would want my kids to be child actors. I don't know if I'd want them to have that level of notoriety and fame at no. age 12. It, it, it's an interesting thing. A, a good parent will honestly assess the desires and ability of that child. Right. The child is constantly saying, and, and you see them on stage at your school or something, and they're like, boy, they're just advanced. They just need yeah, and like want this. Yeah, they're like a prodigy. You really have yeah. to start thinking about it. Then you kind of have to open up to that. Um, I produce now, and I have a show coming out next year called The Dangerous Book for Boys on Amazon. It's a family show. Yeah. And on it, we have a lot of kids. And I I in, embrace them and say, listen, and the families, keep monitoring them. If you have any questions, if you're, if you're concerned about anything, let us know. We want to make sure that this environment is healthy for yeah. your kids. It's unusual, and I tell them that right up. This is not a normal lifestyle for a child. Yeah. So we want to try to normalize it as much as possible. 
and uh, so far so good. We've had good. Kids Although I guess at this point I don't know what a normal lifestyle is for a child anymore. I don't because even the youngest, the it's such an issue. Old. I have a twelve and a half and a ten, and it's and it's you know you really have to watch out all the time. Yeah, you never know what the hell's going on. Sal and I on Mondays we do this podcast, Jimmy's cousin, yeah. um, where we end each one with parent corner where we tell stories about the story of the week about something that happened to us as a parent there are, and most of them are technology based. Yeah. Some sort of, you know, right. st- some, one of our kids stumbling into something that shouldn't have happened. And it's not that's, until that's you be- life now. Yeah. It's not until you become a, a parent that you start lamenting about the current s- status of, of your kids lives. Right. And, and, and you also, you look back in a very romantic way at your own childhood and say, boy, things were better back then. You know, we could hop on a bike and go oh, for yeah. a ride. We could do it. We didn't have this oversight. We had more we freedom. We did babysitters in babysitters. 1979. Well, I mean, one of the things is like when my daughter turned 16, it's like, 16, you want to get your drive? Yeah, yeah, at some point. I'll get my driver's license at some point. I'm 61. On my birthday, and everybody I knew on your 16th that birthday, was the greatest day of you all time. went to get your driver's license. It was your only way to have some independence. Otherwise, yeah, it's like I can't imagine if I asked my mother, um, Can I have a play date with someone who lives 20 miles away? It's like she started laughing. <laughs> you play with the kids in your neighborhood. Yeah. You go to the school that's in your neighborhood. Yeah. That's your life. Yeah. There's the play Deal date is down it. the street. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Two block radius. Yeah, that's it. So when you got back in the middle, you became a TV dad. Did you yeah. study the other famous TV dads from the seventies and eighties? I didn't have Did to. You? I, and you, you know, I, you know them, um, uh, you know, my, one of my favorite shows was Andy Griffith. Yeah. Uh, and, God, such great characters, and and even that was romantic. You look back and how how simple life was, yeah. and everybody kind of. And I I long for a life of of Mayberry. You know the just the simple things of a life. A theme song with whistling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just happy. People holding fishing poles. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was great. And Dick Van Dyke was a So a where big would you influence. rank where would you rank that dad against the other T V dads? What were his strengths? What was his best T V dadness? Uh he allowed Opie to get into a little trouble. He allowed him to learn the lesson as opposed to the the modern day parent, I think it's like, okay, I'm not going to allow my kid to scrape his knee. Yeah. As opposed to, okay, here it comes. And it, it's going to happen. I've warned him and he's still kind of doing it. And then you kind of have to, you, you make sure it's not tremendously dangerous, but you have to let them learn that lesson. I thought Mr. Brady was a very important dad for me growing up. A yeah. Brady Bunch. Really? Just like, you know, he had a, he had a lot of, had to make a lot of, he had six kids. He had to make a lot of decisions. Well, he had um, three kids. Three were kind of like. Wow, he, had, he took them you over. You know, the stepkids. <laughs> Come on. But, he didn't love those as much. But as, I remember the three-part Hawaii episode. <laughs> Vincent Price kidnapped the three sons. Yeah. And then they they found the kids, and then they allowed Vincent Price to come to the luau. They like forgave him, and I always thought that was I was really down on Mr. Brady after that. Well, it's like, it's like you should be reporting this guy to jail. He yeah, kidnapped it's your like, kids in a cave. He's crazy. a crazy person. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. he just called the police. Your children. Yeah. yeah, they're like, hey, would you like to come to the luau? And then they, it, the show ends with them. They're all at the luau. Vincent Price is eating pineapple. <laughs> it's like this guy should be in jail. Yeah. 
Uh, the yeah. other ones, my favorite dad was the Good Times dad John Amos played, oh, James yeah. Evans. Yeah, yeah. Great dad. Um, always life lessons. Would bring out the belt every once in a while for Michael. Yeah, just for, to... Yeah. You know, he's... Did he ever, did he ever actually down? spank him? Oh, we, he would on? take him to the room and it, the kids would be scared. Yeah, he he load, he laid down a little authority, but yeah. a lot of love. Yeah. Um, they're always life lessons. He was good. Mr. Drummond was good on different strokes. Oh, Mr. Oh, okay. Um, Growing Pain's dad was good. Was it? But yeah, yeah. that was the legacy you walked into. Yeah, that's only you're, you're younger than I am. Yeah. So I yeah, well, you probably weren't watching those shows because you I, were I wasn't an adult watching at that those point. shows. No, you, your generation was the Andy Griffith, Andy Griffith, Dick Van Dyke. Um, that when know, did you feel that show? My three hit? sons, my three sons. No, yeah. when did you feel that show taken off? Which show? Malcolm my in show? the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, I I learned early on that if you can develop a, a an ability to spot well written material yeah and attach yourself to that chances are you won't be disappointed yeah it doesn't mean that that show or that play is going to be a hit but for your own self-satisfaction uh it, it was the the thing i always look for when i read malcolm in the middle i thought this is genius this this script is beautiful yeah and funny and heartfelt um and you can go crazy the 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 genius part that Linwood Boomer wrote about in Malcolm in the Middle was if you establish a sense of a dynamic, a family dynamic that will back each other when push does come to shove and they have a foundation of love and you don't show that too much. You just couch it. You just, you just give a feeling of that and then you can go crazy because the audience feels like, it's yeah, the they're a family. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a family that will... That will fight. That for is each true. Other. Every great family show has had that. Yep. And then you can kind of veer off and, then and get crazy, off. right? Yeah. So it was. Uh, I you know, who knows if something's going to be a hit? I didn't know Breaking Bad was going to be a hit. I didn't know Malcolm in the Middle was going to be a hit. I don't know anything's going to be a hit. Yeah. If everyone knew that, every show would be a hit. If right. there was an actual alchemy that that you could follow, but it there isn't. So you just have to hope that you're in the zeitgeist that your story is coming along at the time that society is like yes we want this uh and it's not too early or not too after yeah that kind of sensation but then you started dabbling in seinfeld like right at the height of that show too it's perfect that's like a different level of fame with that i mean that was like 30 35 40 million people a week right it's crazy it was crazy you still probably the dentist to some people yeah yeah i get i get that all the time um and and they know the episodes backwards and forwards. Yeah. And I was honored over the course of like three years. I and I did a, only a total of six episodes as the dentist. But it was sad. I wouldn't have guessed. I would have said like three. It was six. Six. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that you know it was like going to comedy boot camp. Yeah. I was still you know quite young i was in my 30s and being able to be on the set and watch larry david and jerry seinfeld craft a joke either either visual or verbal um like a like a a surgeon yeah it was just amazing to watch like no no hang on wait two seconds before you answer that yeah give a look give and it's like oh my god they're just they're they're enhancing the laugh like 
in with such precision that it was just it was genius. And Could, then years later, I get to do Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry to play his therapist. Oh yeah, and um, it's just a blast. And now we're on a, a we're on a different playing field. It was it's, it's a it's great. It's really really wonderful. Did he? He must have remembered you were the dentist. All oh yeah, years yeah, later. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, and because I can't. He's worked with so many people. I'm sure he's. I, I don't know what his recollection is. Yes, you did like right. two hundred Seinfeld episodes. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you were the dentist. I forgot. Yeah. But he does remember the the key guest stars on that show, right? That, because because he did bring them back on Curb. There has been like yes. some Seinfeld people have trickled right. back in a lot. And, yeah, you know, and and there's a comfort level that you want to work with people that you feel can deliver and and are, are that you remember from from working with them before. You and, must you must have loved Curb because that's the combo of they give you the story, but you're ad libbing within the framework of it. It's and fantastic. Let's say everyone says for the actors, that's like the. It's so, if you can pull it off, it's like the highest level of yeah. If you, if you like improvisation, yeah. If you feel comfortable with it, then you'll be fine. In fact, everybody loves it because there's no lines to memorize. Yeah. In in a scene, any particular scene, he'll have a little page of what could be discussed, but it, mainly he just tells you verbally at some point during the scene, your character needs to come out with this. Uh, line with this understanding this this that you uh, for instance with me in one scene uh he said truffles that you have let me know that you love truffles and in any way you want to tell me that okay and then his responsibility in that same scene was to 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 let me know that he didn't like the chair that I would give to my patients. I played his therapist. And, and, and you have no idea what direction he's going. You no. just know that it's you, heading that and way. And you don't know when it's going to come out. You don't. So you veer off, you go into different places, you talk about different things to try to mine the comedy. Yeah. And then at some point you kind of go in and you kind of know, like in, in the scene, we're going along and we're doing, saying all kinds of things. And, and he said uh, something about, so what are you doing this weekend? And I just took that as a as a nice tee up to to launch into to a, something personal and told him about oh my wife and I it's it's restaurant week and so we go out and we go out every night and primarily to where they serve truffles because my wife and I love truffles and it's you know just get find the best ones do you like truffles no yeah. <laughs> you know it's like oh, well okay <laughs> and uh, and you just play it on you know it's it's fabulous and it's a fun show funny. I, I I just love that's it. one of those he's reached that point where if he's like I need you for an episode of Curb no matter who you are you're in like he had Lin-Manuel Miranda on yeah. Sunday I would think whoever whoever he wants he could probably get because it's A it's a great show but B it's so much fun to do pretty much well when like, okay I'm in what day exactly right that's what it was for me I yeah. didn't even know what character he wanted me to play <laughs> I'm in. I swear to God he said you want to yes <laughs> I feel that way about several people. Linwood Boomer from Malcolm in the Middle, uh, certainly Vince Gilligan from Breaking yeah. Bad. If if they called and said, would you, I'd say, yes, just tell me when, and I'll do it. Let's take a break to talk about holiday shopping. It can be tough. Thanks to movement, all that gift-giving anxiety can disappear with the press of a button. Movement make watches. That started only 95 bucks. Finish your holiday shopping. Get a movement watch for someone on your list with movement. Skip the crowds. 
Skip standing in crazy lines. Find a gift they will love at prices that beat department stores. Movement watches start. 95 bucks by selling online. They were able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing a price that's four to five times less than you'd find at department stores. What a wonderful holiday gift. Classic design, quality construction, styled minimalism. Over 1 million watches sold in over 160 countries. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMT. Dot com slash Bill. That's my name. It's a watch with a clean design that makes a great fashion statement. Step up your watch game. Go to MVMT.com slash Bill. Join the movement. You hosted SNL, right? I did. When, what, what one time or more? Just once. What year was it? Um, It's been a while. Uh, I, uh, let me think. It was about 2011. Because you must have loved that too. Ago. Oh my God. It's so much fun. And it goes, it goes like, like you're in fast motion. Yeah. It goes so fast for, from Monday through Saturday, you're going, your, your mind is exploding because everything's going so quickly. Yeah. Um, you're reading maybe 50 sketches on Wednesday, 50 by Thursday, they've narrowed it down to like 15 by Friday. You're, you're putting it on its feet for the first time. You're doing some pre- preliminary blocking of where you're going to be, and everybody's looking at pages and looking at cue cards. And Saturday, you perform it live. Good luck. Steve Higgins, who is a, a head writer and executive producer over there, told, and I know him because I, I know his brothers, and I work with his brothers on Malcolm in the Middle. Um, Steve said two things. Trust the cards. Yeah. Believe me, we change it so often. Trust the cards. Just look at, read the cards. Yeah. Don't think that you got it memorized because it changes the past. And and this is not a place for perfectionists. If you're a perfectionist, if you need everything designed to a T, you're going to be frustrated because this is fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. Just throw it out there and good luck. So if you're, and I find that very exciting and thrilling. And they always say, trust the writers too. Trust the writers. Yeah. yeah. The ones that get into trouble are the ones that bring their own writers or have their own. I, I have some sketch ideas or some thoughts. It's like, these are the best sketch yeah. writers. Like maybe trust them for I did. five I, days. I, I brought in a couple sketch you ideas. Did. Yeah, yeah. I, I brought in like three different sketch ideas. All of them shot down. <laughs> Lawrence said, "No, nah, I don't think so." <laughs> but you know, I, I I wanted to just throw myself into that world, and yeah. it was great. And but you probably rolled with it. I, I'm sure some celebs were probably like, "What? You don't like my sketch idea?" Yeah, I just I'm an actor. I just want to be part of a company. Yeah, and because uh, I've had some good fortune, um, and more leverage has come to me, uh, that what that means to me, stardom or celebrity, means. I am exposed to greater levels of talent, writing, directing, yeah. producing, and the 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 material is is superior. But you're yeah. never in a sports movie, right? Or were you? I uh, no, I did a, a television pilot called Dogs a while ago that I was hoping would go. It was dogs, about dogs. It was about this this softball team called the Stray Dogs. And what every every week we were going to play softball. And oh, I, my God. Yeah, it was going to be great. It was going to be great. And um, you could have done the Bad News Bears remake in it like was 2005. Like it, 
but the coach. It didn't work because, you know, figure a softball team, ten guys, right? And I'm trying to think how what the hook would be of that. So it would be like the lives of the ten guys. That's right. So that means so it's like a male soap opera, girlfriends, yeah, or wives or kids. So. In the hour, it's an hour long show. It's 28 and, characters. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> even I, that was in it and read the script several times, I'm going, wait, who's that? Yeah. That's that. Who, who is she related? I have no idea. I I'm, got completely lost. That could have been the This Is Us for that generation. I know. See, this, we would have had it. We were just ahead of this our time. This Is Us crossed with softball. I know. Maybe you should repitch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like This Is Us? Do you like softball? Well, then you're going to well, love, love this. Yeah. This is softball. <laughs> this is softball. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you didn't, because uh, obviously you like baseball. I'm surprised you didn't weasel your way into one of these for love of the game, man, hardball, I, one of those baseball flicks. I'm, I'm, There's still time. I figure I, I just have to write it myself and pitch it. I have what? an idea right now that I'm, I want to develop about a baseball a story. Good. Yeah, man. What and about I'm, what about like a fifty eight year old knuckleballer who's making one last stand? He figured out something with his fingernails. The ball's really hopping. Yeah, there's been some injuries on the local team. Yeah, he's got to come back. Uh, believe there's me, there's no age age ending for a knuckleballer. I go am forever. that guy. Yeah, you <laughs> can do it. Called Wakefield. <laughs> <laughs> Wakefield comes back. Wakefield returns. After you did Malcolm in the Middle, did you feel like you were pigeonholed as a certain type of? character or did you or were you actually liberated to go do a whole bunch of other stuff no i was uh we we had seven years of that show and i i knew that it's up to the actor to not allow that to happen right because everybody is saying oh he does when someone spots someone doing something well oh you do that really well how would you like to do that next with me you know yeah. and it's like no it's up to the actor to say I just did seven years of a sweet, silly, goofy dad. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And so I was offered two different pilots, comedy pilots, to pay, to play sweet, goofy dads. And that would have been the rest of your career. That would have been it. Yeah. Had I wanted to, but it was an easy no. It was like, oh no, I'm 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 going the opposite direction. You're like, can I be an Oz? Yeah. Can I can I be right. can I be Schillinger's well, new partner? And if actors feel that, you have to have the courage to say no. Yeah. That's why if you're money motivated, you're you're at a disadvantage because you're thinking dollars and cents. I don't even know what I make on things. I honestly don't know what I make. You probably did pretty well on a couple of things. I did really well yeah. because I have agents who are incentivized yeah. to do really well. So I ask them. Are you happy with the contract? And they go, well, we think we can do a little better. Well, do better. Go. I'm. Yeah. Hope you get it. It's not like, oh, no, I, I don't need money. Oh, man. Yeah. I've been poor. Yeah. I've been in a, a home where we got kicked out of our house. Yeah. Uh, foreclosed on because we didn't have any money and it split up the family. And right. now I'm wealthy. And yeah. wealthy's better. <laughs> it's really, really a lot better. It, I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, yeah, I just it, said Tanahasi Coates was on the pod two weeks ago. Yeah. When we were talking about this. It was like, yeah, it's better to actually have money. Absolutely, you've yeah. had it both ways. So like nobody's like, ah, I really missed when I was poor yeah. and I couldn't afford anything. But I'll tell you, like that, I think if you've had the experience of not having money, yeah, I so appreciate it now, and I don't take it for granted. Yeah, I don't waste it. I don't spoil it. It's very important, but I also don't focus on it. It's it's not why I act. 
I don't focus on acting to be a celebrity, to be more famous. I don't think in those terms. It's all story. Mm. I'm doing a play in London. Yeah, I was reading about that. It sounds like it's a really cool play. Network. That's awesome. Did you ever see the movie? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was seven, but it's, yeah. it was a seminal movie. I mean, it won like every Oscar in 1976. Yeah. 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 It's, and kind uh, of has... 2017 it's it's an interesting it's resonating yeah because at the time it was resonance yeah it was it was written as a satire yeah um not hey, as satirical what if, anymore what if news was actually like an entertainment show it's like oh. yeah what? <laughs> what if what if the news had a slant to it a yeah. bias well what if there was we're, you're putting out something that's not necessarily true fake news well it's it's what very the, prescient. What if a star anchor became like kind of a crazy self parody, but it made him more famous? Yeah. What? What? That would never happen. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I'm having a great time. We're we're. What a great role. Oh, I mean, that's fantastic. one of the great characters. Howard Beale. You, you get have a couple awesome scenes in there where you just go yeah. unleash. He gets unleashed. Yeah. yeah. I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. It was one of the most famous scenes of the '70s. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Well, it it works really well on stage because Patty Chayefsky, who wrote the screenplay, wrote in a very theatrical way. Not yeah. short little sentences, but a lot of big speeches. I have four speeches that are like a page and a half, two pages long each. So why are you here if you're doing a play in London? Or Good question. I teleported. Yeah, I'll go back. I'll, going, uh, are you on tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'm gone. I'm on tonight in London. You were no. able to take like two weeks <laughs> off to promote? No. Um... I it's it's at the National Theater in London and the National Theater is a repertory company. Yeah. So almost all the time there are two plays sharing the same stage, just alternating dates. Well, the show that is in there right now about to be you know, open is Pinocchio of a, a new kind of wacky wild it's version a sexier of Pinocchio. Pinocchio it's a sexy Pinocchio <laughs> and you had to drop the voice come there. on watch out uh, Pinocchio <laughs> watch his nose grow it's the most erotic Pinocchio yeah. ever so because it's a family show yeah not at all like we were alluding to uh, they need the holidays and so that's why we've been giving a, a, a month break so you're in this mode of you're playing this character, you're all in on this play, you're memorizing every single line and yeah. moment, and then all of a sudden it's gone for six That's weeks. That's right. That's got to right. be weird. It's it's very weird. It's very unlike any theatrical experience I've ever had. So we although go I guess back. it's not much different than Breaking Bad ending and you being a normal person again, and then going back to playing this guy who's yeah basically losing his mind. Yeah, I'm kind of used to that in the sense we we did when we were shooting Breaking Bad in in New Mexico. We, I would be there for six months at a time for six straight years. So you're six months on, six months off. Yeah. Six months on, six months And you just kind of get used to that. As an actor, you get used to periods of unemployment. Did you hear about the Jim Carrey, Andy Kaufman documentary? Uh, it's well, on Netflix right now. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it yet. It's basically about... When he did the Andy Kaufman movie, which right. is kind of a really good movie, it's like, good. It's it, there were so many good movies in the late nineties. It got a little bit lost in the shuffle, and it's aged really nicely. But he played Andy Kaufman. He basically became Andy Kaufman, and there's he took a lot of video that he hoarded till this point, 
And when I say he became Andy Kaufman, like he became Andy Kaufman, like he acted like Andy Kaufman 24 hours a day on the set and Andy Kaufman's family came and he was Andy meeting the family and Jerry Lawler, the wrestler that Andy Kaufman feuded with was there and he fucked with uh, Jerry Lawler like Andy Kaufman would and Jerry Lawler actually assaulted him. He was so mad at one point. No kidding. And he just kind of lost it. And the whole thing is about like, he he kind of never recovered from it. He he really did. He had like a little mental breakdown. He just as an actor, he probably made two more movies in the next five years after that, and never really was able to. <clears throat> he just kind of went so far in, he wow. couldn't come out of it. Which is exactly you would love it. You love it. I it gotta was, check it's, it out. It's uh, and it's also amazing to watch him. The, everybody else in the set, like Danny DeVito and people like that, just kind of watching, like, what the fuck is this guy? Because that? Danny witnessed the same thing right. in Andy Kaufman right. when they were doing Taxi. Tony, what's his name? Tony? Tony Danza, all those people. Uh, to, no, his character. Oh, uh, uh, Louis De Palma. No. Um, oh, Laka. Andy yeah. Kaufman. Yeah, yeah. Andy Kaufman had another character, that other character that came oh, Tony. Oh, Tony, Tony Shelton. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And on the set of... of um, of taxi, he re- he absolutely had to have two different dressing rooms. One for Andy Kaufman, one for you know. It's like oh wow. So then there was in this thing. There's this whole Andy Kaufman where they're shooting the Tony scenes, and he's now Tony, and he's in there as Tony, not as Jim Carrey, for like a a week, and just crazy and insulting everybody, and it's really nuts. It's 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 uh, and it's also a really good kind of. Uh, about I'm always fascinated by fame and what fame does to people and he's just like he was kind of a late bloomer and became the biggest comedy star in the world and just kind of kept up in the ante and it all led to this movie. It's good. It's almost as if you think that he sort of created a self sabotaging yeah. condition. He says that. Oh wow. Yeah. He's basically like I this was my way of kind of sabotaging everything that was happening to me. Yeah. Um, because there is there is a, a, a thing. I'm still trying to reconcile with fame and celebrity and attention on the street and how much freedom I have or not. And I usually always care, uh, wear a cap and, and yeah. watch where I'm going and try to avoid that only because I'm just not comfortable with it. Um, it's not anything that I ever really thought of before. Right. And you can't train for it. You don't know what it feels like when, <clears throat> when you're looked at and talked to and, approached on a daily basis on an hourly basis if you're out and among the public and it takes a lot of energy and the older i get the more i like feel like i need to conserve my energy even receiving compliments is an unbelievably um it's it's enjoyable and you i never thought that any of that was I was spending energy or it was stressful in any way. You can't way. match the compliment with whatever your response no. is. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing. And anybody on the outside who, who doesn't have a celebrity looks and, and they say often, is it fun when people recognize you? And it's like, well, right. it's really interesting. Because well, you know? you're still the same person you were before anything happened. You but are now and you aren't. You're not to the people that are around yeah. you. You are and you aren't. I mean, everything. We we should grow and change and mature. Of course, as as we get older, we were just talking about parenting and yeah. how we feel differently and um, and and celebrity will do that too. 
fame will will change you and it's how you handle that fame and and when you see these kids come out of college the one and done and they oh go God. in and i mean how how does a 19 how do lonzo ball how does he handle this how does he what's funny is that nba guys have lately have handled it about as well as we've ever seen the rookies handle it because it's like what i said before about you learn from the mistakes of the people before you and you had these generations before lebron where they just handled everything badly they made money they spent it immediately they got in trouble and right did all these things and people have kind of learned now what to not say and what to not do and well they have they have they have checks and balances and they have maybe the guys every, didn't have every team as as a person to oh, guide them and, and the say, league here's how you talk to the press yeah here are the things that you should say here are the things you shouldn't say well think about these guys are 19 and they're famous and they have a platform and yeah. at any point they could get mad at anybody and just tweet at them and be like, oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. And it never happens. It's, you would think it would happen all the time. Yeah. Just 19, full of testosterone. Like, well, D'Angelo Russell did it. D'Angelo Russell is a great example. Yeah. Like he totally screwed up and it led to him getting traded. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Hey, how about your uh, Celtics? I know. Wow. I know. Wow. It's our season started with a guy breaking his ankle. I didn't I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And then then eighteen and four. It's a good year. It's that the NBA it's where we talk about a lot at the ring are trying to not be too negative with the NFL because the NFL stories seem so constantly negative. Whereas yeah. the NBA is more celebratory and exciting and you even yeah. when you're kind of breaking down a team, it's still kind of fun. It's like, yeah. what's wrong with Lonzo? Can he shoot? Yeah. It's not it's not like what's wrong with Lonzo? Why won't he stop assaulting women? Or right. you know, there's there's right. this extra layer that's we not need, there. We need sports more than ever right now because oh we're in God. a very cynical cycle here. Uh, the, you know, the the sexual predators and, and what's going on in the world and our president and all this craziness. Um I, I think I, I th having this outlet and and looking at the purity of sports and being able to just embrace that, it's fantastic. Well, especially like every day you wake up, especially on LA time because we're later here, and you just wake up and you look at look at your phone and you don't know what you're gonna see. Today I woke up, Matt Lauer's career is over. Done. It's just done. That was the first thing I saw in the morning. Yeah. An email from my mom, Matt Lauer. Wow. And there like, will what be happened? more. Oh, he's there gone. There will be more. Yeah. And that's it. Matt Lauer's never gonna be on TV again. Yeah. Um, so it's possible that you may be done as well. Maybe or as me. we're taping this podcast. This might be the last podcast. This could be it. We could, they might be cut, pulling the plug. When when you were doing Breaking Bad, it, Breaking Bad went in two waves. The show takes off, but it's still not massive. And then the, it's, the streaming thing starts happening as you're doing the show. That's right. And really probably... The timing of it is perfect for the show, right. as strange as that sounds. No, no, it's not strange at all. People are like, you're th like three seasons in. I caught up on it late. I was watching. I was I was in 2013. Um, I was doing the the uh, NBA stuff for ESPN. Right. And we were on the road for a month. And I'd been saving Breaking Bad. Everyone on my staff's writing about it. And they're all mad at me that I'm watching. I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm, it's going to be the perfect time. I want to make sure when I do it, I'm all in. And I started watching him and banging him out on, you know, my iPad on the Amazon. And I'm like falling asleep to it. And then I'm having like crazy dreams. And like, I, I just went all in. Yeah. Banging out like four seasons. But by the time, so you had that wave and you're winning Emmys. But then by the time you got to like the last extended two part season, 
everyone had caught up and it was so many more people right for that last round than it was in the beginning so you might could you feel that in the moment or not really we certainly didn't feel anything in the beginning yeah we're just just again getting back to it it was a brilliant script and it was the best hour-long television by tv critics tv critics going you guys got to watch this this is really good but even before that when i read it as a script form i thought oh my god this is the best something so i want to be a part of it and and vince gilligan said well i i want to try to do something i want to change a character from a good person to a bad person within the course of the series yeah and i thought about it and i said you know that's never happened before in the history of television Television has right. always been about stasis, about characters you can depend on. Oh, a condition is different, but you you know what they're gonna, how they're gonna respond to any certain thing. Breaking Bad was different. Weird. Or the, or they'd flip it: a bad person slowly becomes a better person. Yeah, well, that matter. hasn't happened before either. I guess like Soprano, Tony Soprano. By the end, even though he was a bad person, people warmed up to him more. Well, people have warmed up to him, just like people were were actually fans of of walter white and yet despite his actions they were still in his camp <laughs> yeah. and i said really how many people does he have to kill last before season he- <laughs> it's yeah last season it's tough to stay in the camp yeah yeah but even you know when when walter white had had this in the last when he said no i did it for me i'm not gonna hide behind it anymore i didn't i'm not saying i did it for my family i did it for me and i was good at it yeah and that's why um there's honesty in, in the writing but anyway the 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 serendipitous um, experience of Breaking Bad on a on a smaller network AMC that was just really starting to catch its ground, and when Netflix went from sending out the discs right by in mail, if it was still that system, we wouldn't have taken off. It was but, too hard to catch up if it was just on conventional yeah, TV. If, uh, where, where, yeah, if I, if I had to... Where, banking 20 oh, DVR right. episodes. You'd be on the road and you went, oh man, I forgot to pack the DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, no. But because the streaming just was kicking off at like 2010, everybody was catching up with us two years after we premiered. I and think it was, it was the first binge watch. It was. It, even yeah. though like House of Cards gets credit for it. I really feel like Breaking Bad was the first one it, it, that people were just watching six, seven, and two nights. It was, and and the it, and that's what propelled us up. So, it the synergy of that we needed that to be there as well to to really create that avalanche of attention. I'll tell you, it was awesome for Grantland when when uh, I was running that place, like because we had we always talk about 2013. We had in the same year Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and Thrones. Yeah. And they were staggered like perfectly. I think two of them were going even on at the same time, but it was like yeah. it was like having the NBA playoffs with three shows. Anything we wrote about any of those shows, <laughs> people loved and they just wanted more and more. There's really no show like that now other than Thrones. And yeah. Thrones has seven episodes left. But left, left to go. They yeah. were these shows that eventually could grab everybody from my mom to the younger yeah. brother of our intern. Yeah, yeah. It had this 50-year age range. Yeah. It's really hard. I don't know. There's so much TV now. I don't know if we're going to see that anymore. There's just too much content, and it's too niche now. And I don't know yeah. how, how you cross over. I don't know. It's it's a good time and, and a challenging time. When you have platforms that are across the board, you have so many opportunities to create material. So it's a good time for actors, writers, Best directors. time for content creators. Best time. 
But I don't know if Breaking Bad is possible anymore. I don't know. I don't, I, maybe it is. Maybe I'm being maybe cynical. Not. but Maybe it's supposed to be that way, ephemeral, and it's, it's supposed to be gone. And that's why you know I love theater, because it, I'm doing this for this period of time, this play, whatever it is, and when I'm done, that's it. it it's gone. And you either experienced it or didn't. Let's take a break to talk about Squarespace. They make it easy to build beautiful websites, whether you're planning to start a business, change careers, or launch a creative project. At the tail end of 2017, whatever you're doing, tackle your next move with Squarespace, widely used by all kinds of people and businesses. Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform with which you can make your latest goals into a reality. You can even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included in your Squarespace website. Add arrange content. Add and arrange content. Add or arrange content. And features with the click of the mouse. Any mouse. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Squarespace is award-winning 24-7. Customer support will help you, no matter how hard or easy your problem may be. Start a free trial today. Use offer code BS to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, squarespace.com. Offer code BS. You seem like you handled the end of that show really well because sometimes it can go the other way where people, they kind of, they realize they were on the 90s Bulls with Jordan or whatever and then it's like, what do I do now? Fuck. That was it. Yeah. You just kind of moved on and kept doing stuff. Well, unlike, there are some parallels with, with professional athletes, but unlike the athletes, an actor, especially a white male actor, uh, has more opportunities, and I say yeah. that only because it's it is unfair. Yeah, it is not a level playing field, and it should be. I just saw Hamilton again in on Broadway, and th- what they did is break open the the acceptance of here's George Washington, an African American man, and you go okay, uh, all right, yeah, and just knocks you out, you know, and it's like. This is cool. This is great. This is opportunity for everyone to be involved in the world of creativity. And I hope it continues that way. Yeah. I think it's I think it's wonderful. Well, I think all the all the different outlets that people have now to sell shows and get shows up and all that, it will probably lead to more small scale kind of creative miracles like that. Because I think we're gonna see more chances. I think that's what has to happen. And that's the good thing about it. Because there are going to be so many uh, platforms and a tremendous, just a a, a glut of product that you're going to say, what, how do we break out? How do we get any attention? We have to be different. We have to be specific. We have to carve out something that we haven't seen before. It's funny though. You look at this century and it's the rise of like, these prestige TV shows, not taking over for movies, but definitely moving into some of that creative territory. And almost every time it was one person writing the show, sometimes two at the most, but always one. And it was always one person's vision. Yeah. And yet you see how they do TV in some ways and it's network notes and consensus and all of these people weighing in. And yet like, Vince Gilligan just did Breaking Bad. Like they left him alone and he just came up with stuff. And 
I want to, I, I hope that that's what that leads for this next generation. The people kind of just trusting, like we found this person and we're going to trust him or her and they're going to come up with stuff and we're going to leave them alone. Hopefully that was one of the lessons of this last 10 years. I think so. I mean, I think a very smart CEO of any corporation, of any company, big or small, has a policy where they listen to every suggestion idea. Best idea wins. Yeah. That's all it should be. Best idea wins. And you never know where it's going to come from. On Seinfeld, playing the dentist, Yeah, there was an episode where I... I give um, Jerry laughing gas, nitrous oxide, and he goes out and he doesn't know if I molested him or not. <laughs> right, okay? right. I'm with this like a like a penthouse pet hygienist, yeah. and and it's like I don't know if I was talked or untucked. He might have molested me. Right. And uh, we rehearsed the scene, and they all left. I stayed on my set just to work with the instruments and get comfortable with the stool and how it slides and things like that. And I hear this voice say, hey, you know, it would be funny. And I first I didn't know someone was talking to me. And I looked around and up on a ladder was a guy adjusting a light. And I went, are you talking to me? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, it would be funny. And I'm thinking and I took a little attitude to it. I go, "Uh, well, no, man on a ladder. Why don't you tell me what would be funny? Yeah. Uh, Since I do this for a living and you obviously adjust lights for a living. And he said, what if you took a hit of the laughing gas first before you gave it to Jerry? And I thought, oh, my God. (laughs) That's a great idea. That's genius. (laughs) So uh, I waited until we were shooting. And there's Larry David. Jerry didn't know what I was going to do. Nobody knew what I was going to do. But I thought... I think I need to surprise people. Yeah. So I said, nurse, may I have the nitrous oxide? And she, she hands it to me. I put it all, all over my mouth. I'd go, yeah, that's good. And then I, and Jerry lost it and bent. It was just, he lost it. And, and Larry David laughed and it's hard to get Larry David to yeah. laugh. And he said, that's great. We're going to keep that. That's good. That's good. Okay. Um, Jerry, stop laughing. And then we'd do it again. We must've, done that 15 times because Jerry would continue to laugh. And I said, do you want me to tone it down? No, no, Jerry, you need to stop laughing. You know, and he's chastising him. And Jerry is doing all he could to just try not to laugh. And and there, and it praised me, of course. They said, hey, great, great, great dad. Idea. And I said, wait, uh, no, it wasn't me. Of course, there's no ladder now. We're shooting the show. And I'm looking around for the face. I'm looking, I'm looking. And finally, I spot him leaning against a door jam in in the far back i go no he gave it to me and everybody's head turns toward where i'm pointing and there is this guy and he happened to be taking he happened to be already in a pose where his arms were crossed and he was leaning against a door jam and it's hard to describe it but he he merely shrugged and gave a little like a grimace like yeah I got him. I got a lot of those. Yeah. You know, he just kind of went, yeah. And, and like, yeah, if only people would listen to me, you know, I got, and it was like, wow. So that I wrote it in a book. I wrote a book last year and I wrote that because it, I wanted to reinforce that philosophy of best idea wins. Yeah. And, and just because you didn't come up with it, don't try to, 
Don't even don't take ownership. Don't steal. Give credit where credit is due. You're still going to get um, praise for it because you were part of that. If it's a good idea, and it's like our company does that. That's the way to create goodwill and keep your your colleagues happy and involved and engaged, and that they feel like any idea. I'm just going to throw this out there, and what about this, boss? And you're wow. You left out that the guy on the ladder, Vince Gilligan. The that's guy on the ladder, yeah, I, crater I, breaking. Bad. Actually, I was saving that. Thanks for jumping the gun. That's you got yeah. Vince Gilligan <laughs> came down now, off the ladder. Add that story. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Vince Gilligan was a genius? I hate the word when people throw the word genius around because I think it gets thrown around too much. It is, yeah. It, it's thrown. He is, borderline genius. He's a visionary genius writer. He agonizes over every word, every scenario. He. He painstakingly goes into it. So writing to him is not like, oh, this comes easy. I'll just bang this out. He's, it's painful to a lot of writers. And it's painful to him because he wants, he cares so much that he wants it to be. Every detail, every, every line, everything. Perfect. Yeah. And when it's not perfect, he, he, he's troubled by it. Yeah. And we live in an imperfect world anyway. Humans are imperfect. Everything about us is imperfect. So instead of embracing the imperfection of that, he strives to make it perfect. And I think that's the difference. Someone who goes with complacency says, ah, that's good. That's good enough. Right. A good enough attitude for a real true artist is not good enough. Yeah, I think that show, with some shows, they lose their luster or they feel like they belong to a certain decade. I think that show is going to last. I think like 20 years from now, I don't feel like it's going to feel much different. It'll still be what it was. It would be you know cool I mean? if it was. You know, It's just, almost like how some of the great books just keep going. Yeah. And you could read, I don't know, Lord of the Flies right now and yeah. it's still fucking great. Yes. I think, yes. I think Breaking Bad has a chance to be that. Some of the other ones that hit, I, I think they'll start to feel dated or right. different or be. whatever. I don't know if that's going to happen. But, you know, I, and I laugh when I hear people say, I'm, gonna, I'm out to make an epic story and it's like no no only audiences create a classic or an epic yeah only audiences can do that and the same thing in sports only fans can determine that and people in the know your profession yeah what you write and that's why it's good that a hall of fame vote is not immediate yeah it's got to have a it's got to have that five-year period this is my dream for the oscars it's got i would wait five years to give out the oscar how about that? Wow. So we have five years. Hey, we're announcing the 2012 yeah. <laughs> Oscars tomorrow. And, and everybody going, wait, what movies was that? I yeah, don't remember. The, does the artist win the Oscar if we wait five years? No way. Wow. Okay. So sometimes you get caught up in the whatever or some narrative. It's yeah. like there's no narratives. Yeah. Five years have passed. We have digested these you movies are, where we watch You are them. clearly never going to be a studio head. <laughs> right. You are never going to have that job, Bill. But I mean, I guess we couldn't do that with Emmys. But I think the Oscars would be really a fun thing to do. They'll never do it. They'll never do it It'll because they they want the they want immediate, the immediate hit and everybody has to be. It has to be fresh in your mind. Apparently, quick break to talk about underwear. MeUndies makes underwear that feels so good your butt will be proud to wear it. I know it's weird to think that your butt would be proud about anything, but trust me, this is the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. Tons of styles and patterns to choose from for both men and ladies. MeUndies will have the perfect fit for any personality, their feeling of anyone who wears MeUndies. It's an unmatched feeling because they use a naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton 
And if underwear is not your thing, MeUndies also makes the softest socks in the world. Right now, you'll save 20% off your first pair and receive free shipping only at MeUndies.com slash BS. If you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they're free. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Go to MeUndies.com slash BS to get 20% off free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee on the best, softest underwear and socks you will ever own. Once again, MeUndies.com slash BS. MeUndies, start wearing the best underwear of your life. This turned out to be a surprisingly um, lively movie year. People were worried at the start of it. You have one we should mention. Last Flag Flying. It's out. Is it out out or is it like out in some cities or is it all the way out? It's a small movie that comes that is is opened up. I I don't know how many theaters it's in now, but it's it's in every major city. I think, I think it is. It should be. It's a great film. Explain it in thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. It is a story about three old Marines uh, from uh, Vietnam era who got into a lot of trouble. One of them paid for it with two years in the brig. Um, both, all three suffering from PTSD, handling it in different ways. But this Last Flag Flying explores male friendship, how yeah. men bond, how deep is that bond, how do we treat each other after over all these years. And it's also how we, how we grieve, how we handle disappointment and loss and tragedy in our lives. And all that said... It's, it turns out to be a really wonderfully entertaining film. Very funny. It's heartfelt. Women and men will cry during this movie. Ah. It's one of those movies you go, man, it really, I got caught up in it. And under the orchestration of Richard Linklater, a brilliant writer, director. Um, one of the greats. He just pulled it all together. And Steve Carell, Lawrence Fishburne, and myself um, we bonded greatly in this thing and had some of the similar experiences of male bonding yeah and how we bring it together how we kid each other and 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 bust balls all the time because that's how men show that we like each other yeah. women going wait a minute how come you're giving him such a hard time because i love him yeah <laughs> but i can't say i love him i got to bust his balls that's how we and show that's our how affection. i say i love him yeah. And, and women are going, this is insane. You guys are out of your minds. And in a way, they're right. <laughs> so are you in the link later? Are you in the, the family now? Like when I they do so. before Sunrise 4, you could be like the psychiatrist? <laughs> I, would, I, I hope so, because he's a great, great guy and a brilliant filmmaker. And I like I, that he that he takes all kinds of swings. He does. He really does. He'll just he'll just fucking try shit. He'll try it. Like the 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 two before sunrise and but he's, right. oh, there's three now. But those were so original in the moment. Original and then Boyhood. It took twelve years to, to that was great. Shoot Boyhood. Are you in uh, in on Everybody Wants Some? I haven't seen it yet. To so believe it or not. I think that one's gonna have legs. I got that, check that it one's out. on my staff there yeah. here at the Ringer. There's. That, that it has some momentum. Yeah, it's one of those you kind of have to watch it four times, right? And it it, it kind of grows, which was what Dazed and Confused was like. Where yes, that's right. It just kind of gained steam as the years went along. It's kind of like a very pungent cheese. Yeah, where at first, if you're younger, you go, "Oh no, that's too strong." And then after, as you grow older and your your taste matures, you go, "No, I really mm. love it now." Well, you know that usually happens with movies that have a ton of characters. Yeah. You almost have to, like what you were saying before about the softball show you did. Yes. Where in a movie, you rewatch it three, four times and you get a feel for everybody. And then it kind of, the jigsaw puzzle kind of comes together. Yeah. 
I think everybody wants something that's like that. Good. It's good. All it right. has a great. It's good baseball. That was the only reason I. Yeah, it's surprising that you could have. Yeah, you could have taken some swings. We got to get you a baseball role. After you're done conquering uh, London Broadway, yes, uh, some sort of base, so the knuckleballer. I think that'll be the one. That's a great story. Yeah, in I, fact, I'm giving it to you because you came on my pod. You can. I have, have I have arthritis in both shoulders. I played adult baseball for you years. You played adult baseball? Oh, yeah, oh those are a special brand of psychos. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I played adult baseball until I could, until I blew out my throwing arm and had to have arthroscopic surgery on the rotator. Any adult baseball brawls or near brawls? Head hunting? Yo, it was a little head yeah, hunting. Yeah, they're going to get the testosterone flying around. Yeah. yeah, man. That's what's great about it is like, men, this is how we get, we can't, you know, we're. We're not going to ever just have lunch just to right. talk. It's like, what What do you want to talk about? You know, right. men have to have an activity. That's why golf is popular. Golf is we, we, baseball, poker, you, poker. You got to have something you're actually doing because you don't want to have too much attention on. Oh, Jesus. Right. It, it, I'll go out with a friend and my wife will say, how's John? And I, and I go, I'm good. Is he still seeing that girl? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Does, is, so is anything happening? I go, what do you mean? Yeah, we uh, well, never know what's going are on. They, are they going to get married? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> like, he said, you just spent two and a half hours with him. I go, yeah. I just said, hey, how you doing? Good. You, yeah, good. Okay, I'm good too. We're done with that. We don't need to discuss that further. That's the great thing about guys. Yeah, women will go out. It's two hours. They just dive in. They know everything about they everything, know everything at the end. We go out and we just talk about like Kyrie Irving for two hours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Kyrie Irving's great, huh? Yeah, he's great. <laughs> See the game last night? That's right. Or else look, look at that commercial. Look how hot she is. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, back to the game. The adult baseball, the funniest person in adult baseball is the catcher. Because it's like even major league catchers don't want to do it anymore by age 32. And you have like this 37-year-old guy who's squatting for three hours. But they, and he paid nothing. Yes. He said, that guy really loves sports. They love it. The tools of ignorance. And they wear it like the badge loves that it. it is. That's it. They don't want to give it up. Yeah. Brian Cranston, this was a pleasure. Thanks. I'm boy. glad we finally did this. Yeah. Did we cover everything? To. We hit over. We had just about I think everything. We covered everything. Do you want to make fun of Adam Carolla for 10 seconds? Oh, Ace. Ace, the ace is the man. place. The Ace Man was in on you early. Like he was, he took a lot of credit for Breaking Bad. He's like, you didn't do anything. So like, I always told you, I always show Cranston. Cranston was going to be something. Cranston, you know, <laughs> Valley Boy. Yeah, we're Valley Boys. He and I. Yeah, yeah, he's the definition. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he he was in high school with porn stars. He was Christy Canyon was in his class. I he don't knew know, her. Whatever. I don't her, know that name. Yeah, it was famous '80s porn star. Uh, yeah, he I don't was, know what you're talking about. He was the all-time Valley guy. Yeah, big Rams fan though. I was too. And now, now they're back, and now they're back. Now they're red hot. I eight you know, three. I was mad at him because twenty years ago, they left me for another city. Yeah, literally left you. They literally yeah. left me, and now they come back and say. Take, take uh, will me you back. Take me back. And yeah. it's like, you have the smell of another city on you. <laughs> you, th- you you whore you. Sleep on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> take you back. You got to prove yourself to me. Now they're proving themselves. There's some new energy going on, and it's fun. They I have fun I, players. I must admit, I'm being lured back in. 62,000 at the last game. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm going to go to the Eagles game when the Eagles come out. How so about that's that gonna be, that's going to be trouble, because that's going to be about 50,000 Philly fans there. 
Yeah. And they're going to be angry and ordering the entire time. And well, they have every right to be. Ten and one? Yeah. Plays. Yeah. That's going to be a good one. And Wensylvania? Wensylvania is in? Man, What's your favorite, football or baseball? Baseball. Yeah. But I love I love hockey. I love, Do I you, love baseball. Who's your baseball team? Oh, I'm, I'm pure L.A. all the way. I'm okay. Dodgers, Kings. And Lakers. So you went to the World Series, right? I think I saw you one of the games. No, you did not. I didn't? You did not. In fact, it was it was a bad experience for me. Because you were in London? I was in London. The did entire you go time. to one of the playoff games no, or nothing? No, I was in London the entire time. Of course, I made these plans a, a year before. We and- needed you because all the celebrities at the games were like 89 years old. They just kept showing Larry King yeah. like folding into his That's seat. That's right. So a 61-year-old yeah, would, be a been, kid. would be a kid. <laughs> hey, the kid. Larry King calls me the kid. Hey, kid. <laughs> did you throw out the first pitch ever? I did. I did. Strike? A couple times. Strike ball? First time. And then when I knew I had this injury, was like, I didn't think about it. And I go, I can always. I used to pitch. Yeah. So I went 60 feet, six inches, and it's like, no, I'm not going to do it from the grass. I'm going to go up on the rubber. And the first time I threw out pitch, yeah, boom. Now, uh, this was maybe uh, three years ago, Dodger Stadium, here. And I didn't think of it. And I went I went to throw it, and my you arm. You it? My, yeah. My arm's like, I can't, I can't do it. It was like the Shoulders are rough. Yeah, you need to almost need to, once you get older, you need to warm them up for I couldn't forever. do it. Couldn't do it now. My arm won't let me. I've got so much arthritis in my shoulders. Now, now I'm sounding like the old man. I'm sounding like well, Larry it sounds King. Like you need PEDs. Yeah, that's. It sounds like you need to go to Miami and I, go to one of those weird A rod clinics. Hey, if it would help my shoulder, man, I would do it. I did before I retired from pickup hoops. I almost took PEDs to make one last run. And I did all the research, and I got scared. You got scared. I was going to write a whole like three column series yeah. about. Uh, PDs because my legs were going and I could really yeah. feel it. And I was like, I wonder if PDs now, see, would help me. I think this is interesting because when I said I played adult baseball, you gave me shit for that. I know. Oh, adult baseball. And then you said my pickup basketball. It's like, that's adult basketball. It's adult bat. Well, but I was also playing with college kids, which is even crazier. Man. That's when you're really holding that'll, on to that'll the let steering you wheel. Know. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. It's, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Well, you gradually, you you evolve into the person you always made fun of when you were younger. Yeah. You just become like the three-point stretch of defense shooter <laughs> guy who knows where to go in the right spots. Let him take that shot. Yeah. He and you're so guy. proud of it. You're like, I know where to go, man. Yeah. I'm fun to play with. You start talking to yourself and all these I've things. I've played in a couple basketball charity games, right? Yeah. And you, you can't wait to get out there. And then you run up and down the court twice, and then you're looking to the bench like... Yeah, your lungs are dying. <laughs> Take me out, because <laughs> you just—it's like you forget how how much big athleticism is is necessary for that man. We played uh, we played the Staples a few times, which is the giant court. But yeah. then also, you had the depth perception thing. Yes, because you know it's glass backboard, and then the seats are way behind yeah. it, and it's like an optical illusion. Yes, and you just go, and every shot is two feet short for. A half hour before yeah. you kind of reconfigure, but yeah, it's it's humbling. It's weird. Basketball is humbling when you get older. I'm sure baseball is the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Now and I just you, live vicariously through my kids. Yeah. That's that's the move. Of well, sports. because we're so used to watching basketball, football, baseball on television, and there's a timing element to that. Yeah. You know how long it takes to get up and down the court, but for an old guy, it's like, oh, I should already be down there by now. Yeah. It's like I can't believe I'm only at half court. Well, and they're also all giant. Yeah. 
you know, just like enormous. Steve Nash and Pete, Kyrie Irving and those point guards who we think of like the little guys, they're all taller than I am. They, and I'm yeah. six one and a half. And they're they're called tiny. Yeah, yeah he's he's a, a, he's, tiny Kyrie Irving tiny going into Kyrie, the thing. Yeah. yeah. Brian Cranston, thank you. Thanks, Bill. That's it for the BS Report. Don't forget SeatGeek. $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on NBA tickets. Use promo code BSNBA. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. Don't forget about all the awesome podcasts we have on the Ringer Podcast Network. Don't forget about my column every Friday on TheRinger.com. And I might pop up on the Ringer NFL or Ringer NBA show this week. Don't be surprised. Check your feeds for that one if you're not subscribed. Until the next one, we'll see you. I wanna see you there.